It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. With me, Laura Curran. Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now, here's your host, Laura Curran. Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Crystal McQueen Taylor. She is executive director of Student First New York, which is a charter school advocacy organization. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Really excited to get into this conversation about charter schools. So you started out as a public school teacher. Tell me about your journey from public school teacher to charter school advocate. Yeah, so... My entire life has been shaped by education. I went to my local DOE schools, and I had an opportunity when I was in seventh grade to get into this program. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Canarsie, Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. East Flatbush in Canarsie, Brooklyn. And that experience of getting into prep for prep, and I went to a boarding school in Concord, Massachusetts, Mm. which, as you can imagine, could not be more different than my local schools on on 100th Street in Brooklyn. But it clearly demonstrated to me that there was a clear difference in opportunity in terms of education, depending on where you grew up, where you were born, who you were born to, the resources that you had. And so it was very clear to me that when I graduated from college, I wanted to go into education and I didn't know exactly what. So I I became a teacher. (laughs) And so I did Teach for America in New York and I taught in the South Bronx. What Um, level school? What level grade? It was elementary school. So I taught third through sixth grade, mostly fifth grade. And what was that like? It was the most rewarding job I've ever had, Mm. and I have never worked harder in my life. I taught 36 kids, around 34 to 36 kids every year. And this is in South Bronx and Hunts Point, so, you know, the really tough neighborhoods. And that was reflected in the life experiences of my students. And I had kids who were coming to fifth grade who were reading on a second grade level or third grade level, kids who had been held back many times. So it was really a tough situation, but I really worked my butt off and I really loved the job and I love my kids and worked really hard to make sure that I was providing a top quality education to my kids because it didn't matter to me where the school was or where they were from. They were children who had infinite you know, possibility. Like all children. Like all children, right? And it was my responsibility to make sure that I tap into that and I meet them where they are and get them to excel. And every single year that I taught, all of my kids passed on to the next grade. Most of them got proficient scores on their state exams. And, but it was really hard. It was a really hard job, but it was so clear what There are a couple of things like really crystallized for me, which I knew in theory from like studying education in college and but like the the quality of the teacher that's in front of the classroom makes a real difference. I could have made decisions every day that like would directly impact the type of education that my kids were getting. And I could have made decisions that could have negatively impacted them, but I chose to make decisions that would positively impact them. I really agree with that. Every teacher 
whether it's your fourth grade teacher, your sixth grade teacher, whatever it is, is so incredibly important to your development and how you do next year. And then that's a ripple effect for your whole future. And I have this fond memory of Miss Cass of sixth grade in the Lawrence, Long Island School District. And she was a real hard ass. She was, I really did not like her. She was mean. <laughs> she was punitive. And now I think back with such fondness because I love grammar and math and algebra because of her. She really instilled this and really taught us so well and so deeply. And I'll never forget that. It was a gift to have yep. her. Yep. And I have so many stories like that from my own education. But the thing that I think is most rewarding, my first class of students, they're now young adults. They're in their 20s. They have their own kids. And because of social media, some of them have found me on social media and they, you know, say like, you really worked as hard, but like you were one of my favorite teachers. And I didn't hear that from their like nine, 10, 12 year old self. But hearing that years after is really rewarding. So what happened? You had this hard job that you loved that you threw yourself into. Now you, it's often like one side or the other side, but now you're sort of on the other side advocating for charter schools. So clearly, did you think something was not working in traditional public schools? So, yeah, I think that's the other part of it, right? So, like, the teacher has incredible influence. The school has incredible influence. But then, at the same time, every day, there were all of these things that were, all of these decisions that were made outside of the school building that directly impacted what was going on in the classroom. And I quickly learned that, even though I was an educator by trade, I became an advocate out of necessity. It mm. was really hard. And I think most educators will tell you this, that it's really hard to get where you need your kids to go without advocating sometimes or fighting for things sometimes. I think every parent can Yeah, like every parent that. can. I mean, I've done it for my own child. I've helped, you know, my family members and friends do this as well. But there are all of these decisions that are made about schools and what can happen in schools and how it has, has to be done. And that makes things really hard in district schools sometimes. And I really appreciate and admire people who like continue to persist in that system and, and despite all of those external factors. But one thing about charter schools is that the grand bargain around charter schools, charter schools are public schools, Correct. but the grand bargain is that there is more freedom for increased accountability. And that means that charter schools are not necessarily bound by some of the bureaucracy, the decision making that can really trip up things, slow things down at a school level. And charter schools have a little bit more autonomy to be able to be responsive to what's actually going on in the ground level. Now, it's interesting that you say that because I remember in the 90s, I was the education reporter for the Daily News, and that's when charter schools were just first starting mm -hmm. to percolate. And the whole idea was they were almost like laboratories where you could experiment away from the bureaucracy and the sort of calcified rules of regular public schools mm -hmm. where educators could experiment with new ideas, mm -hmm. see if they worked, and then potentially bring them into the traditional public schools. But it seems that that hasn't really happened, that they've just sort of each gone off on their own path. So I think that has happened. You I do? think charter schools have went off on their own path. But I do think that there are examples of it actually 
going back to the original idea of charter schools. So I worked at a charter school management organization called Uncommon Schools. Um, it's actually the largest charter school network in the Northeast, but in, in New York City, they have 24 schools in central Brooklyn. And I manage external affairs for the Brooklyn region. And part of my profile was district charter partnerships. And so I actually spent a ton of time with folks who are at DOE Central, local district superintendents, actually working together to come up with professional development for teachers. And it was around topics that will be not surprising at all. How do you teach grade level reading content to struggling readers? How do you teach foundational math concepts to older students? Because those are things that regardless of if you're a teacher in a charter school or you're a teacher in a district school, the kids are coming with the same issues. They're coming with the same profile. Sometimes the charter school and the district school are serving the same families. Mm. It's literally just because the parent made one choice for one child and another choice for others. And we were able to, in five years, train over 1,200 teachers. And Mm. this was all voluntary. These were teachers who were choosing on a Saturday morning after working Monday to Friday to come to a professional development all day from 8 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon and learn alongside charter school leaders, charter school teachers. And that was happening. And we were actually on the verge of being able to expand but then the pandemic hit. Yeah, The DOE actually had offices that were actually working on fostering these partnerships. There was a district charter collaborative where it was actually bringing together schools within the same building. So very New York City phenomenon of co-location. Yes, carving up, carving up schools. Um, but, you know, in a school, there may be three schools. And the, the purpose of the collaborative was to actually bring those schools together, hmm. district and charter schools, and they would actually come together to focus on a problem of practice that all of the schools were experiencing, and they would collectively work on programming around that. That's really interesting, because that's a story that's not told, yeah. this collaboration. So you're an advocate, yes, and you run an advocacy organization. So I imagine you, and for New York, so I mm-hmm. imagine you're talking to the state, to the governor, mm-hmm. to the legislators up in Albany, and also to Mayor Adams and the folks down here. What are your priorities? So around charter schools specifically, so I will say that like Students First, we are a grassroots parent organization. We do a lot of advocacy work at the state level, but also at the city level on some things. And do you find that Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams are receptive to the to charter schools? They are receptive. There's one, um, there's there nuances in there? I think there are nuances to everyone's education perspectives, particularly because the issue has become so highly politicized. Very politicized and very emotional. Yes. And so it actually has cultivated this environment where you are attacked <laughs> for saying that you believe that charter schools should be able to, you know, exist and flourish and they're serving kids well. And I think that, you How know, do you respond to those attacks? I talk about the good work that is actually happening in charter schools. I think so much of the conversation about charter schools is based on myth. It's based on hearsay. It's not actually based on, Mm. I went into a charter school today and I saw X, Y, Z. It is often based on misinformation that has been spun for a variety of things. And so I talk about what I see Mm -hmm. in charter schools, what I am talking to school leaders about, and what I'm actually seeing with my own child. My, My son goes to a charter school in central Brooklyn and 
what I'm seeing with his education, what I am seeing with the results that schools are getting year after year after year, even in, I think, the hardest education years. I mean, the hardest years, period, for all of us. But terrible for kids and students. really hard during these COVID years. And I think schools overall really went above and beyond to serve kids, particularly our most underserved students. But the things that I was hearing that charter schools were doing, the mountains that they were moving to make sure that kids got technology, that kids, even when they were in remote instruction, that they were actually getting live instruction. So they actually were seeing their teacher on the screen every day, that they were, when they get back to school, that they were actually accelerating learning so that kids wouldn't be falling behind because it can't just be about remediation. It has to be actually saying, all right, we missed this many months of school. How are we going to speed up learning? How are we going to create additional opportunities for kids to learn? How are we going to shuffle our schedule so that we're finding new ways to get to kids and get them to engage in academic learning so that we can get them to make up for the time that was lost to the COVID months. Yeah. And charter schools have been doing that work. And when you actually, you know, see senior signing day, like with sports, you know, like when they declare like which team they're going to, many charter schools do senior signing days where kids declare where they're going to college, right? Mm -hmm. And so these are the rates that students are going to college. I'm specifically talking about these are mostly black and brown students, Mm -hmm. students who are coming from low-income backgrounds backgrounds mm-hmm. and we're seeing 95 99% of students getting into college Amazing. those rates like you can't those numbers don't lie but yeah. then when you actually talk to the students and you talk to their families and you hear about the opportunities that were afforded to them because they made that choice i don't know how we could say that we would we would want less options for our kids so politically you know i'll confess my Thinking on charter schools has really evolved. So my first elected office, I served on a school board where I live in Baldwin, Long Island. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea of a charter school was anathema. It would suck away the money. We're doing a good job. There wasn't, you know, any movement to start a charter school in our community. So it wasn't really an issue. But, you know, as time has gone on, and I see in some of our communities on Long Island, I know people talk about charter schools as largely an urban thing, but there's also sprouting up on Long Island, yeah. especially in the minority, majority, minority yes. communities. And some of these buildings, they keep growing, they buy more property, they add floors, they're adding a high school, their kids, it's, it's popping. Parents want this choice. And how could I say to a parent, of course you should have a choice. Maybe the public school's great, maybe the charter school's great, whatever it is. But you should be able to make that decision for your kids. And how, I, you know, I, I don't think I could ever come back from that, yeah. despite any political pressure one might get. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think as long as parents are demanding to have the option of a charter school, I don't know how we say to families who often don't have a lot of choices. They don't have a lot of options. They can't pick up and move to a better district. Right. And why should school choice only be an option for families who have the resources, who can move, who can pay for a private school, who can go to a district where there are very high quality schools? Now, people will say it's the union. It's the teacher's union. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of control. And it's really hard to break through that juggernaut. What is your sense of that? 
I think that is very, that's correct. I think a lot of it, and a lot of the politicization of it is because it has become this zero-sum game that you have to be either all district school or all charter school or, you know, vice versa. And in many of our cities and towns, it's just not the reality. There, It's both and, right? Like, I think what we really need to focus on is having high-quality schools. And the teachers' union has been in opposition for a while and has made, has really put a lot of our elected officials in positions to say that you are either with the district school or you're not if you are supportive of a charter school. But if you're representing a district that has several hundreds or even thousands of families who are choosing a charter school, and you also have several thousand families who are choosing the district school, why should you have to make a choice between either or? I think what we really need to be fighting for, and this is what I'm always advocating for with our elected officials, we just need to have the best possible options in our community. And regardless of you're in Hunts Point or you're in Flatbush or you're on the Upper East Side, like you should have high quality schools in your community. And at the end of the day, parents don't really care if it's a charter school or Catholic school or public school. They just want a good school. I know very few parents who are specifically trying to choose one school or another. Even when I was uh, selecting schools for my son, and this is after having, you know, a lot of years in the public education system. I could call any, I could call so many superintendents, people in DOE Central. I visited 12 schools when I was looking for a school for my son. He first went to a UPK program in our local elementary school, which I loved. But when I looked for a school for his elementary education, I went to district schools. I went to district schools that were in my school district. I went to ones in the neighboring school district. And I looked at charter schools as well. And the school that I ended up choosing for him, it wasn't because it was a charter school. It was because it was a school where I thought that like, this school can really help my son flourish. I can see my son being loved here. I can see my son really being challenged here. And I can see myself as being part of this school community. And I think that's what most parents are looking for. They're just looking for the right choice for their child. And if that school happens to be a charter, I think that parents should have that option. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, charter schools in New York State are capped at 460. Yes. And of those, New York City can have no more than 290. Yes. But there are actually from, this might be old news, but 50 unused charters statewide. So there are 50 potential charter schools statewide, but nobody's opening them anywhere and they can't come to New York because New York is capped at 290. Yes. There is state legislation proposed that would increase the cap. Where is that now? How does that stand? I know, and it's very fraught politically. I understand that it's an election year. (laughs) It is very fraught. We have been fighting for this for years. So no new charter schools have been able to open in New York City since 2019. And there are actually a group of schools, 11 schools, who actually went through the full authorization process, which is very rigorous. I used to be on the school side of this. It's, it is so much data. It is pages and pages and pages of documentation. Wow. So not just any Tom, Dick, or Harry can oh, come and open a charter absolutely school. absolutely not. Yeah. Like, it is, it is a process. And these schools have went through the process, and they can't open They're in limbo. They've been waiting for years. They had families who were intending to send their kids to these schools, 
And they have not been able to because of the charter cap. And so we've been fighting for this for years. And we've come close. There are legislators who see, and I think the pandemic particularly amplified this because they had families actually knocking at their doors, calling their phones, saying that they were dissatisfied with the options in their community. So there's definitely some support in the legislature. I mean, I know of one, Senator Kevin Thomas has been very supportive of charter schools and publicly. Uh, yes. which I think takes a lot of bravery, especially as a Democrat. He's actually going to be representing my community of Baldwin because of the redistricting, should he win re-election. Oh, were you? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So that's something that you really have to navigate the politics yeah, of. We really do. And I think and do, you it's, use, do you have parents? It's probably best, I would imagine, to have parents make the case directly. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing that... We've done often and we, we've, you know, brought thousands of parents to Albany before when we needed to raise the charter cap. The last time it was raised was 2015. It's been really hard to do that during COVID. Parents are nervous. The parents who are choosing charter schools are actually the same communities that have been hardest hit by COVID. And so you ha- we haven't had as big of a parent presence, but yeah. parents have been meeting with their elected officials in their communities. And I think we just need to, we need to continue to do more of that. And we definitely plan to. Parents are the best advocates for their kids. And I think we just need we need our elected officials to feel really emboldened by those families and not be nervous about their seat or being challenged by, you know, the union because they have these families who are saying that we need this. We exactly. deserve this option. And honestly, listen to what the people say. There was a poll done, I believe, last year among Democratic primary voters in New yep. York City. 80% of these voters said charter schools are good for students. Yep. 81% of Latino Democratic primary voters said that. And 84% of African American yes. and black said yes. that. Yes. Yep. So that's quite a ringing endorsement from actual people who actually vote. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, it, it, the support in the base is there. And so it's just a matter of that support getting to our elected officials who are in the positions of power to make the decision and them being bold enough to hear from their constituents, which shouldn't be bold, right? Like, that shouldn't be a bold thing to listen to your constituents. It should be fundamental. Right. And But it's just because this particular issue has become so polarized. It's become so politicized that, you know, and this is like, we're seeing this on so much, in so much of our politics. Yes. People are taking their sides and they're hunkering down. And there is a very loud opposition to charter schools that that we just need, and, and a lot of it is not actually correct. Like a lot of the things that are being said in, in opposition are not actually accurate about charter schools. And so we're, there's definitely what's growing the biggest, support. What's the biggest myth that you would like debunked about charter schools? The biggest myth, because I think education, the the number one, two, and three issue in education is funding. Funding. Um, And the biggest myth, and and this is particularly pervasive in New York City, is that charter schools take students in and get funding for the students. And then after Beds Day, which is the day that the official count for students is made in New York, that they then somehow outplace the student, but they keep the money. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. And that could not be further from the truth. Like, you get paid for the students who you are actually educating. I mean, for charter schools, 
there's actually this process called reconciliation that happens five times a year. Mm. And if there's a difference between the number of students that you receive per pupil funding for and the number of students that you actually have in seats, you have to reconcile that with the state and you will get have to return funding if there are fewer students that that originally and if you have more students, you do get additional funding, but it comes late in the school year. And so somehow the funding goes somewhere, but it doesn't get to the school that is educating the child. Mm-hmm. And that is an issue of bureaucracy mm-hmm. and how funding flows through the city and the state. It's not actually a matter of charter schools somehow duping the system because it's actually impossible to do because there are all of these checkpoints to make sure that the number of students who are in the classroom, in the school, is the number of students that the charter school is getting funding for. Do you think that there may be some fear of, you know, there's this is a very big bureaucracy. There's also a lot of money in education, mm-hmm. whether it's salaries and properties and supplies. I mean, it's just it's just it's just the nature of the beast. It costs a lot of money. We have this very big bureaucracy that's been around for a long time. And I think like all bureaucracies, it could become calcified. It could get stuck in its ways. You know, things are done because it's always the way they've been done. And and the end result has very uneven outcomes for children. But do you think that there's some fear of sort of upsetting the apple cart by adding something called competition, by adding a better option that might kind of expose this calcified bureaucracy as perhaps not being so efficient for all children? I do think that there is some concern about that. But I think that when we talk about public education, Public education is too big to fail, right? Like the banks were too big to fail in 2008. Like no one benefits by having a public school system, district and charter failing kids. Like it does not benefit us as a society, right? And so I I think the fact that it's been this zero sum that like if a charter school exists, that somehow that means that the district school is, is failing it's just a dichotomy that we really need to reevaluate. It's like not we, a zero-sum game. No, Both like can benefit need, and thrive. Yes, and there's actually research that has been done that districts that have charter schools present yeah. is the, that funding has actually increased and that performance has actually increased. That's, so, that's a great story to get out there. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've seen it. Like, public education in New York City has its challenges as because it's a huge system, But it's improving, right? And so it may not be improving fast enough. There may be some dark spots that need to be improved. But I think that there's a lot of opportunity here in a school system that has district and charter schools where there's opportunity to actually learn from the best, disseminate best practice, and say, like, if one thing is happening in this school and we're seeing amazing results why should we not take that and learn from it? And mm-hmm. I don't care if it's from a district school. I don't care if it's a charter school. We should just learn from it. We should mm-hmm. examine it. We should try to understand what is working, package it and disseminate it. And I think a lot of charter schools have been really good at doing that. I think the next level is really this massive breakdown of like the wall between district and charter. Because as yeah. I said before, There have been examples of this happening on the ground because charter schools and district schools are coexisting in the same buildings and the same communities. And there are some small examples of that sharing happening. It needs to happen more. 
Two quick questions, and then I'll let you go. Number one, do you think, you know, I, I understand there's a dearth of charter high schools. Not enough. Yep. In New York City. And with, you know, the talk about changing of the test for the schools like Stuyvesant and Bronx Science and Brooklyn Tech, is that increasing interest in charter high schools and perhaps increasing the number of them? So because of the cap in New York City, unfortunately, high schools are not exempt from that. So no new charter school can open. All right. And then my last question, because we're just running out of time. Mm -hmm. It's actually not a question. It's just a statement. So talking to you now for about a half an hour, I think you're an excellent diplomat because you're not coming down and say, burn it all down. And you're not, you know, you may be pointing to some deficiencies and some flaws, but you're not saying it's a mess. We've got to throw it all out. They're all trash. You're, t- you're coming at it from an empathetic and diplomatic point of view, which I frankly think we need more of in this conversation about charter schools and about a lot of things. So I appreciate that you're in the fight, and I'm really glad that you came on Cut to the Chase. Thanks for having me. 